I love the fact that it was a Democrat from Western Washington and a Republican from Eastern Washington working together on behalf of our state to improve our rural economy. And yet every Seattle legislator voted for it, right? Every I-5 corridor legislator voted for it. I love that. Those are the kind of success stories that we need to talk about more as a state. That's Representative Mike Chapman, and in a minute you'll hear more about the bipartisan success story he's talking about. In the meantime, welcome to Capital Ideas. It's the podcast where members of the Majority Democratic Caucus in the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol and talk about ideas. Mike Chapman has a lot of good ideas, and today we'll be hearing about the ones that reflect his passion for growing Washington State's rural economy. He's from what might be Western Washington's most sparsely populated district, the 24th, so it's an issue that's close to home. In the House, he sits on the Rural Development, Agriculture, and Natural Resource Committee, as well as Finance, Transportation, and Rules, and serves as Vice Chair of Labor and Workplace Standards. We had a good long talk not long ago, and here's the condensed version. Thank you, Representative Mike Chapman. I really appreciate your being here today. Well, thanks, Dan. It's a great honor to be here. After your first two years as a legislator, you have really made your mark as a person who is focusing on rural economic development. You've been doing a whole lot, everything from sponsoring bills to going around the state, highlighting this issue and organizing forums of people to talk about the problem and the solutions. What's the particular problem that you're looking at and trying to fix? Well, what we're trying to fix or and at least address is a systemic that has been a higher rate of unemployment as compared to the state, especially during this economic recovery that we've experienced, and encourage folks that rural areas are good for business. Part of it is there may have been a time where it looked a little bleak in rural Washington, but part of my message is that, hey, when, when folks want to talk about a rural-urban divide, what comes into my mind is why would anybody want to run a business or live in the urban core and sit in traffic on I-5 for three hours when you could, if you have a mid-level business or a small business or you want to start a business, you could come to the North Olympic Peninsula that I represent or another part of rural Washington and experience a quality of life second to none in the world. We're open for business for entrepreneurs. I think there are some things that state government can do to encourage that entrepreneurial spirit. But I think part of it is just an image of and an acceptance of all the strengths that we have going in rural communities. There are some specific things that could be better. For for example, what's the Internet situation like in some of the most rural of Washington's rural communities? So that's one of the things that state government can do. And we're, we're, we're putting we put money in the last year's budget for rural broadband. I believe that expanding rural broadband is much like the rural electrification of the 20th century, that it is the next big initiative for rural America. Some areas, like my hometown of Port Angeles, we have broadband and and we have good broadband, but other areas, some of the smaller communities, it is lacking, and especially out toward the coast, along the coast. I represent a district that has six Native American nations in it, and, and they're lacking in solid broadband. So that's that is a detriment to some of the very smaller communities. But if we, if we make an investment as a state into rural broadband, that is going to continue to spur and grow that entrepreneurial spirit. Talking to a constituent recently and uh, working out of his home, and he designs specialty parts for NASCAR. They will contact him, and he knows what he. They'll explain the problem. He'll design it and give them engineering specs to build a specialty part. And he's doing that in Port Angeles. 
you know, we don't have a track even in the Northwest. And, you know, this is high tech stuff. Let's get out of the old way of thinking that Seattle's leaving the rest of the state behind economically. I still will say Seattle's doing great. Really glad that there's all those people who want to sit in that traffic and, and fight through that. But there's a quality of life that people are missing when they do that. There's an affordability issue. Housing is more affordable in rural communities. There's a peace of mind. There's a, the ability to maybe leave your your where you're working and still go coach your child at girls softball or boys basketball or at least attend the game at five or six o'clock. That I I know that many people in this I five corridor are having a hard time leaving work and getting to their child's musical performance or play. Those are the aspects that I'm trying to promote. What are these gatherings like? Where have they been? And what are the kind of things that you feel are, are being produced by this ongoing project you've been involved in? So I've been a part of three, two that I helped organize. One was part of a, a business group that organized it. So Moses Lake, Port Angeles, and Aberdeen. Port Angeles and Aberdeen were a collection of local community leaders, a mix of business and and, and some of the permitting folks in local government, some of the educational folks. And I brought members of the House, and we've had a good mix of urban and rural, but a number of urban legislators, to listen to these community leaders and listen to what some of the challenges are. In Olympia, so many legislators come out of the I-5 corridor. It's so important that they hear what are some of the challenges. And if you were to ask some of the urban legislators who have attended, it was interesting that a number of the same issues that maybe their constituents face in their urban core are also some of the same challenges we face in rural America, workforce training, access to affordable childcare, access to affordable housing, and access to a good quality health care. Those issues are not rural or urban, they're just the reality of a changing workforce. Putting money into the workforce training programs that we do through our community college system is money well spent for the future of all of our communities. So that's where that rural-urban divide can come together and say these are issues that in both sectors of our state can work together. Um, rural broadband may be focused on rural, but it was the ideas that and, and what we saw coming out of the urban core when they invested in broadband, how that spurred economic growth. Affordable housing is a challenge everywhere. So much more, obviously, at a price point in the urban areas, but they have the ability to create supply. Some of our supply has been limited in the rural areas because during the 08, 09 housing crisis, we actually lost a number of builders who were doing business in rural Washington. So we're trying to spur that next generation of builder to come on board and begin to tackle affordable housing projects. The issues that we face as a state are, are intermeshed. Many people who are in the, represent the west side of Washington have, have long championed eastern Washington's ag community. We understand through trade and how important ag is to our overall economy. We're one state. We're, we're one Washington, and we can work together. That's where it's so important that Republicans and Democrats from both rural and urban areas can work together on these solutions. We're not that far apart. You sponsored a bill during the last session to offer scholarships at rural community colleges for the kind of jobs that are in high demand and have pretty decent salaries attached to them. Uh, that thing passed really well. I believe it was unanimous. Have you seen in the little time since that bill passed the kind of groundwork that's going to, to move it forward? That was a success story because the prime co-sponsor was a Republican from Eastern Washington who was also in his first term as a legislator. So here you had two first-term legislators a Democrat from Western Washington and a Republican from Eastern Washington 
kind of talking and, and, and looking at an idea. Can we create some opportunity to train the next generation of workforce for skilled jobs, for jobs that exist in rural communities? And it's a public-private partnership, so the state put up some scholarship money, and then that'll be partnered with private sector. And what we've seen already, Grace Harbor Community College is now going to create a log truck driver certification program. It's the industry that went to the college and said, we have a shortage of log truck drivers. And it's a special certification. So if we have people with CDLs that we, we'd like them to get this special training. So we're going to put up some money to help fund the program. And this program will just piggyback with that and provide scholarship opportunities for students who may want to say, I don't want to drive from here to Phoenix and back. I would love to just move logs around the North Olympic Peninsula. Conversely, there may be other jobs on the east side of the mountain. So it's, it was geared to rural jobs for rural students at rural colleges for job training. And I think that's exactly what the public wants in pulling our state together. And I love the fact that it was a Democrat from Western Washington and a Republican from Eastern Washington working together on behalf of our state to improve our rural economy. And yet every Seattle legislator voted for it, right? Every I-5 corridor legislator voted for it. I love that. Those are the kind of success stories that we need to talk about more as a state and pulling us together. You know, it's been said, by, I think, by a lot of politicians, but my congressman often says, you know, we don't want our number one export from rural Washington to be our students. I had an opportunity to coach youth baseball for so many years, and one of the great rewards of my life is going through a Safeway or any other local merchant and having these people, these young men come up to me, hey, you coached me 10 years ago, and I learned such great lessons, and, I, and I, you know, I can hardly recognize them now. You know, they've got their families with them, and I ask them, I said, you know, where are you working? Oh, I got a great job here locally. I always wanted to live here. Love playing ball here. I'm on a coach now. Those are the moments you, you kind of walk away and say, that's what I'm fighting for at the state, to make sure that that next generation, that next high school senior, if they want to get a job, we'll train them. We'll give them some options. Welding, carpentry, plumbing, electrical, log truck operator, mill operator. You know, I'm honored to head up the house effort on rural economic development. I want to make it a, a bigger effort and we'll, we'll keep working hard. Do you have a particular bill that you've been working on that you think 2019 is going to be the year? I do. I'm, I'm really excited about it, and I think it'll be a bill, again, that I'll want bipartisan support for, and I think we'll get, we can get bipartisan support. In the Kent Valley or the Auburn Valley or Puyallup, there, there are small to mid-level manufacturers who are creating jobs and manufacturing whatever it is, whether it's door frames or windows or, or screens or, or you know widgets for whatever business. And there's an owner out there that's thinking, I, would, I can expand. I'm expanding my business. I'm selling to outside of the Puget Sound region. But I, I don't own the building I'm in. Or if I do, I, the, the rest of the complex is booked, you know, filled up. I can't expand. And as they look around, there are areas in rural Washington where there's capacity to expand, maybe to own your own building this time. And what we're going to work on is lowering that manufacturing tax rate, especially as it's geared to rural Washington and manufacturers that, that grow or expand into rural communities. Manufacturing jobs are really, the, you know, those are, those are su such good living wage jobs. And so to really work on a package that will attract manufacturers or spur new manufacturing industries and make sure that they're looking into the rural communities, understanding that they may have just a little bit further to get to market. So that's the theory behind lowering a tax rate, but also recognizing that we have affordable land. 
we can work with local communities they can work with local communities maybe to build their building own their building but to try to lower that manufacturing tax rate to spur economic growth well you've got 105 days here i wish you the best of luck mike thank you very much for stopping by again this is representative mike chapman i'm not very good with numbers tell me what your district is and tell us a little bit about it district 24 one of the largest districts uh, from the Hood Canal Bridge to Ocean Shores, Jefferson County, Clallam County, and a good portion of Grace Harbor County. And it's the, it's the most wonderful district in the state. Come visit for a day and stay for a lifetime. So thanks. Thank you, Mike. Yep. Well, that's it for today. If you feel like you benefited from the last few minutes, I hope you'll subscribe to Capital Ideas on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or wherever you locate your podcasts. This is your state government, and what goes on here affects us all. The more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats. Thanks for listening.